0: Is that exciting? I love that. It makes me—it does—it makes me so excited. I'm doing a lot of visual things because, like, that's my thing. But I'm realizing it's a podcast, so you can't see all my excitement. So I'm going to <laughs> not, a it <laughs> <laughs> not a visual medium. Not a visual medium.
1: my name is Sophia, and welcome to i don't know any straight people anymore in which i talk to queer people i know and you have to listen to it today i'm here with malika hi malika how are you hi i'm
0: doing really well i'm really happy to be here <laughs>
1: yay i'm really happy you're here too yeah you want to tell the folks at home a little bit about yourself i'd love
0: to so well my name's malika i use any pronouns. I. I'm Black, I'm a lesbian, I'm definitely an abolitionist, and I feel like this whole world is so magical because queer people are in it, and I think the world would be a little bit of a better place, everyone's just a little bit fruitier, just let themselves be a little fruitier, and currently I am embracing being a multi-hyphenate creative and figuring out what that means for myself, whether that's writing, or being on podcasts, or exploring my writing for nonprofit organizations it's a way oh I do music there's a lot of different things so I'm just being a person and seeing how it works out <laughs> mm-hmm. wow
1: that's a that's a great intro that's like one of the best intros you've ever had don't tell anyone <laughs> oh my goodness
0: oh um, wow I won't say a thing
1: we were in a, a writing to heal class together at school and it was I don't know. Your your writing is definitely sticks out to me as some of the most powerful from that class. We don't get to cry. No, it's too soon. We've just started. Thank you so much. No, I just get
0: <laughs> sentimental when I'm
1: complimented. <laughs> okay, uh, no more compliments. I got it for the rest of the time.
0: <laughs> Please, thank you.
1: Yeah, so I'm so excited to have you on and talk to you. I would love to hear a little bit more about like what your queerness means to you. I think that's a great starting
0: point. Queer to me is just an umbrella term for the multitude of things you can identify as, as a human being in this world and especially in defining yourself under the cishetero patriarchy. So for me, I think all of my identities as it relates to my sexuality, my romantic identities, my gender or race, all of these things are so intertwined with each other, I can think about them and compartmentalize them. But at the end of the day, I'm one human being as a composite of all of these things. And it's kind of unfair to me to try to separate them to make it easier for other people to understand. But I think that certain labels help people get to a place where they can see a Mm. whole person and kind of have more compassion for where you're at at this stage of understanding yourself. So for being queer for me, that was a term I learned in high school, being hella in the GSA and thinking that I'm just a really hardcore ally. When in reality, I we
1: all currently oh identify.
0: Right? <laughs> <laughs> in reality, I realized that at this point in time in my life, I identify as a lesbian who is also on the asexual spectrum and is also queer and is also non-binary, and also a Black woman. And all of these things just intertwine into how I find community, how community finds me, how community holds me, how I hold other people, and doing so in ways that bring me pleasure and bring pleasure to other people. And whether that's platonic or it's romantic or sexual, whatever whatever that means, I think that it's just being queer is how I relate to other people and how other people can relate to me. ways that are fulfilling
1: wow that's so beautiful i love that that's a great a great starting point great intro i i'd love to hear more about because i feel like one thing that can be kind of easier to miss in like wider queer spaces is the intersectionality between different identities and like how they all come together and like how you know being a person of color is inherently queer in a certain way and so you kind of touched (laughs) on that and i feel like that's something that is so interesting like you know if we look at queerness as something that's you know just existing at odds with society
0: yeah so many thoughts I think I think for me personally like how I view queerness and how and just what you were just saying it just feels like it's a form of resistance one part of it it's like no I didn't choose to be queer but a lot of this is intentional like, I didn't choose mm-hmm. who I'm attracted to, but at the end of the day, being queer for me is also a politic. Like, it's how I represent myself in a world that doesn't always want to receive me. And, like, that's fine. Mm-hmm. You do you. But how I resist that temptation to, like, make myself smaller to make other people comfortable is by living out my queerness in a way that feels true to myself and allowing, inviting other people to be a part of that journey with me and allowing them to do their thing in the way that makes them feel most authentic to themselves. And so seeing queerness as a politic, it's just so beautiful. It's just how, when I think of being queer, I just immediately think of not just myself, but community and what that means to be able to be like, this is someone I can come to and be like, this is who I am. And it, May raise questions, but I don't think it'll raise like any doubts about my own personhood and my own worth being in this space with someone who understands what it's like to use queerness or to be queer as a form of resistance to all of these oppressive systems Mm. that we're navigating on a daily basis.
1: Yeah, I agree with all of that. That's so cool. And I think it's such a, I think a lot of what's like talked about in the mainstream is how, you know, queerness is very associated with who you're attracted to or I guess more recently in the mainstream, like what your gender is. And I think it's important to think about queerness as something that's beyond that. And that's something that's tied up in a community and a a way of existing. Something I like like to ask is just, what was your journey to discovering your queerness? And like, how did it, how (laughs) did it sort of like, I mean, we talked about, you know, the GSA, but like, how did it sort of start? And then were there different points along the way that you like maybe identified a different way or you felt a different way about queerness and then how that sort of informs where you are now
0: oh wow my journey is an interesting one one that i'm absolutely proud of that has a lot of twists and turns <laughs> I think I'm first and foremost grateful to have been raised in a family where it was never a question of being queer, being gay, or being a part of the lgbtq 2 S I A P plus community was valid. Hmm. So for me, being able to explore these things, even through all majority of high school through sophomore year, I thought I was straight.
1: Oof.
0: <laughs> Moment of silence.
1: Um, <laughs> the dark ages. <laughs>
0: it was never a question to me whether or not that was a valid identity to have and so it was a lot easier being in community with queer people in these spaces as an adolescent trying to still figure myself out and still being in a place where I'm figuring myself out and will continue to be in a place where I'm figuring myself out and being around these people who have all these different experiences and being able to learn like what all these different terms mean and how they might apply to me I remember like talking to this trans girl in the hallway who's in GSA and I was like Colton came and whispered to, to her and I'm like I'm queer oh my and God. Colton was like okay slay <laughs> I mean slay wasn't like the terminology at the time but that was energy she <laughs> was just like uh-huh. okay <laughs> and I'm like wow Whew, got that off my chest.
1: was it like a okay about time or like a okay that's that's cool to know but i'm not gonna i'm not like freaking out about it it was
0: more like a cool to know like colton and i were not that close i just knew (laughs) knew her from gsa
1: yeah i was
0: like hey bestie did you know (laughs) she was like okay
1: (laughs) yeah (laughs) go
0: off it started then and then after that point on it was like oh i'm pansexual Cause like even still today my attraction isn't diluted to like what someone identifies in their gender I think right even today identifying as a lesbian I've dated men in the past and (laughs) I've dated probably (laughs) like three men in the past yeah one in a long-term relationship and none of them were as fulfilling for me as being in relationships with gender queer people or women and I think identifying as a lesbian now kind of gives everyone else, even though I know there's a lot more nuance to it, and I'm allowing that nuance to exist because I'm a person who's allowed to evolve and change. And I don't want to restrict right, right. myself.
1: And yeah. how that, how that happens.
0: But I think what it alerts everybody else to know is like when a man asked you for my number on the street the other day, it's like, Oh, this isn't really going to go where you want mm-hmm. it to, or I don't really have faith that you're going to be able to deliver what I need for myself to feel fulfilled in relationship, knowing that I can cater to your needs, but I'm questioning whether you can cater to mine. I'm not really interested in finding out because you have a lot to unpack in yourself with heteropatriarchy and your own ideas of like, do you, when you see me as a woman, what does that mean to you versus what does Mm -hmm. it mean to me? And there's so many other things. And the same thing with like, why I don't intentionally seek out to date white people. I don't want to be your teacher I want to be in relationships Mm -hmm. with people where I feel like I don't have to unpack your racism. I don't have to unpack your misogyny and make that labor a prerequisite or a standard in our relationship in order for us to be able to move together forward. Like you should be able to pick Mm -hmm. up a bit of your own weight and be at a place where I'm at, where I'm not dragging you along with me so that we can get to the finish line together. Like, no, (laughs) keep up. Yeah. So, And I'm not saying that all queer people are perfect, or all lesbians are perfect, but at least I've narrowed down some of the things that I don't want to have to deal with. Like, there's some things that are forgivable for me, and some things that I'm like, I just don't have the time or the space in my life right now. And it'd be a disservice to me and to you to engage in this relationship, whatever it's meant to be. So I went from being questioning to queer to pansexual to bro, but telling my best friend, I don't know what's going on. I'm changing my identity like. Every month now, I don't know what all this is. Am I abrosexual? Which I found out was a term for people whose sexuality changes frequently. I was like, that feels like mm-hmm. me. But I was also like, ooh, what if I'm polysexual? I'm like, okay, I guess. And then I'm like, ooh, am I gender queer? What does that mean for my sexuality? There's honestly so many terms, and I feel. Queer is one of them that is stuck through it, stuck with me throughout all of that. Because it's that overarching term for everything mm-hmm. you can possibly be and gives people the idea like, hey, I'm a little fruity. But what that means up to me, let's figure it out together. So now I'm here, right. yeah. a lesbian who identifies on the asexual spectrum as demisexual as well as gray ace. Which means, at least by my definition, sex is, uh, eh. It's on the table, it's up for discussion, but don't hold your breath. If it happens, it happens. So that's where I am. A sapphic and a whole bunch of other things that, that's who I am currently.
1: Yeah, that's a journey for sure. I feel like (laughs) I really relate to When you're talking about identifying as a lesbian and what that means to you, because for me, like, I've pretty much, ever since I came out, identified as a lesbian. And it's, it's complicated because I'm like, I don't like to, you know, think of things in a binary and I don't like to think of gender Mm -hmm. in a binary and the people I'm attracted to as like, I'm only attracted to women and that's it. Mm -hmm. But it is really like, it is a different way of existing in society of like, I could be in a relationship with someone who would make me look like I'm part of like the norm or like what society wants Mm -hmm. to see in a relationship or I could look different from that and like I am always going to look different from what society expects to see and so I do not foresee any situation in which a relationship I have doesn't look that way so I'm like yeah I'm Mm -hmm. a lesbian that's it because yeah. (laughs) is that exciting I love
0: that it makes me it does it makes me so excited I'm doing a lot of visual things because like that's my thing but I'm realizing it's a podcast so you can't see all my excitement so I'm going to (laughs) not a visual medium (laughs) (laughs) not a visual medium so I'm going to work on that going forward but that does make me really excited and really giddy just hearing all of that and yeah I love that journey for us
1: (laughs) yeah and it's like, yeah, because it's like, I don't think I want, I don't, I'm not going to say like, I've never been attracted to a man or anyone who's presents in a masculine way like that's just never happened. That's like, probably not true, but it's never been in a I want to date you kind of way or yeah. in a I can see myself like giving myself emotionally in this way. And that is tied up in like a lot of like gender roles and like how they'll see me and my gender. And sometimes I have a hard time like parsing out whether I just am frustrated with like the cis-heteropatriarchy or if I, I don't know. No, I just don't think (laughs) I am But like, (laughs) what I'm trying to say is like, sometimes the like, the doubtful part of my brain is like, maybe you just don't want to be in a relationship with a man because it would be so much work of like, getting them to catch up to where i am but i also Mm -hmm. feel like it's like i wouldn't necessarily care as much about that if i were more interested in it that's my hot take
0: absolutely and i validate all of that oh there's so many things i'm thinking now so i'm going to try and capture all of them but to that what you were just saying i feel like there is no wrong way to identify as a lesbian There are definitely going to be ways that people criticize and people think don't belong. And that was where I struggled in the beginning of figuring out like the identity of being a lesbian and what that means and how that plays out and not just my sexual romantic relationships, but in all of my relationships that may not fit everyone's idea. And that's okay. I don't have to be someone who's never had any attraction whatsoever to a man to be valid. I don't have to be someone who at no point in my life will I ever have. A relationship with a man or have intimacy with a man ever in my life and that is the only way that I qualify as a lesbian I don't think that's true and I think mm-hmm. something that I found on my TikTok where you page the other day was someone talking about how actually I'd like to make sure that I quote this person or at least reference who they are so that I'm not just taking their idea and talking about it so I'm going to take a minute okay I found that. well I found their their at it's Uzo is who, U Z O I S -S W H O on TikTok, and they go by Z and use they, he pronouns. And when I came across them on my For You page, he was basically saying how being non binary is so much more than just thinking about like putting they, them pronouns in your bio or deciding that, oh, I'm a they, them now, I'm non binary. And therefore, like, I don't know. I don't want to like take words out their mouth. But the point that that really stuck with me was how being non-binary in the same way as being queer is part of a politic and how you navigate the world, or at least for some people, or at least in my opinion, it should be, because you should be applying this idea of not wanting to conform or feel restrained by binaries and not wanting to be compartmentalized to restrict your or our authenticity and how we navigate the world in all aspects of our lives. Like, are we dismantling binaries that are rooted in misogyny as well? Like, are you walking around here just, like, claiming this identity to absolve you of having to do the work of unpacking these other things as being either, like, um masculine presenting or, like, male-perceived person in society versus, like, a femme or female-perceived person in society? Are you unpacking these things that you carry with you because of how our society is built? I think that was poorly rephrased in a lot of ways, but I hope the general point was coming across about how I feel like in this way of validating how all lesbians are valid and however that takes shape for you is valid is that these binaries have to be deconstructed and dismantled. If we're going to navigate towards a world where we're all free to express who we are and feel liberated in our identities as being queer and making queerness not just exclusively related to sex and romance, which it definitely can be related to those things, but also and how we sustain our communities and build our communities and seek community with other people. So that was kind of mm-hmm.
1: the tangent, but I hope that made sense. <laughs> no, that made sense. Yeah, I think that's awesome. And it's something that I think about a lot, you know, <laughs> it's mm-hmm. like, what does it really mean to destruct, deconstruct binaries? like? 'cause you know, I think I feel like I think about things in a very in a way that has increasingly become like less defined by a binary and I'm like, well, oh, what does that mean about how I should identify myself? Like I don't know. I'm still working on it. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that's a really cool perspective. And we can also we can see if we can put the TikTok in the show notes. There was something that you just
0: said, and I was going to respond to it. Oh, the thing that I was thinking is like, because you were kind of getting to this idea of like, wow, I'm not really existing in a binary now. What's going on? How do I make sense of it all? And I think I had to come to a point for myself where I was in this spiral of like, how do I make it make sense? It was like, if I'm really confused, and it just keeps getting confusing, and it's just, I don't know, not really falling perfectly into place, I'm probably doing the whole queer thing right. (laughs) And I should be a bit more compassionate and kind to myself in the process. Like, if it's not making
1: sense, you're probably doing it right.
0: So go easy on yourself. (laughs)
1: Oh, that is so nice to hear. Because I don't know if you've picked up on it through knowing me, but everything is a little crisis for me. So (laughs) that's nice to hear that, like, if maybe it is, if it's a little crisis, that is okay. And that's part of it. (laughs) And it doesn't have to feel like a crisis it can just be wow this is all confusing and isn't that so queer isn't that exciting that we get to think about these things and like view the world this way
0: so yeah. beautiful embrace it <laughs>
1: <laughs> speaking of yeah. which i just got a hint notification it's pride month y'all celebrate oh my God. i mean speaking of one question i like to ask people is like what is your view on dating as a queer person <laughs> I wish you could see Malika's face every time I ask a question.
0: (laughs) I find all of these questions humorous because being gay is such an experience, like, period. (laughs) That's just what it is. Well, since... (laughs) Before I was, like, committed to this whole I'm a lesbian bit, which is not a bit, by the way. That's a joke. But (laughs) before I was really committed to it, I would frequently go to this, this thing where, like, I was on Tinder, and I'd have my settings on men, and I'd talk to men, and I'd be so disappointed, and I'd finally be, like, posting on my Insta, being like, <laughs> did it again, I was disappointed, changing my settings back to women only, moving on, and I'd have mm-hmm. such a ple- more pleasurable experience, and I'd go back to men, so I'm like, I'm a little curious, so, like, for me personally, I use men for sex, like, that was it. I wanted to de-stress in college. And I was like, fucking anybody, but safely. Well, as safely as possible, like always asking people for their most recent STI screening and being like, is there anything I should know about? Like logistic conversations. Like I got down to Mm -hmm. business and there was no, like, you know, that this is going to be purely sexual. Like we're not going to have a relationship. Like this is just like a hookup. And they'd be like solid, good, Mm -hmm. thumbs up. And that was it. I'd never see them again. And now for me, after taking men out of the equation and after dating a man for two years, I'm not as disappointed. I mean, people are going through their own shit. I'm definitely going through my own shit. It's hard to like communicate with people on dating apps sometimes because we're either screen fatigued, we're just exhausted from life beating us down all the time. Or it's just like, we forgot kind of how to be social after being isolated during this ongoing pandemic and like kind of figuring out who we are again and trying to invite people into figuring it out with us and having to step away from people so that we can figure it out. And just having all of these things that we're juggling all at once and this whole human experience, it's still difficult, but and very much narrowly focusing on women and genderqueer people, or people who just, like, don't really have a gender identity. It's just so much easier to just jump in the conversations, I feel like. It's so much easier for me personally just to be like, here is who I am and being able to give a name to these different experiences that Mm -hmm. I have and feelings that I have and share with this person or other people. It's just like there's some common understanding at least for people that I date in my own age range or age bracket, even though we have different lived experiences. It's just, it feels so magical being able to be with people who I don't mind teaching. I don't mind being like, this is who I am. This is what it means to me specifically. And we may share some of my identities being lesbians, but what that means to each of us is so different. So being able to be in these active conversations Knowing that it's going to be labor, but at least the labor is reciprocal. Mm -hmm. That's just so much more gratifying than it has been dating men, which I haven't done often. It's either like getting down to business and we're about to fuck, or we went on a date once and it was horrible (laughs) and I would never do that again. I swore off dating men and I was like, that's it, all done. So (laughs) that's where I'm
1: at. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) and that's valid I guess my my next question is spicy which is why I'm pausing I love spice (laughs) so you said that you you don't really seek out dating white people these days
0: Mm -hmm. (laughs) mm-hmm true
1: (laughs) so like do you feel like it hmm is it just white people is it people who like aren't black or yeah that's the question (laughs) I get
0: it. Now I get what you're you're getting at. Um, well, I'll just start off and say that regardless of what relationship it is, how that person identifies, there's always going to be labor. It's just, what am I willing to commit to at this point in my life? What do I have the capacity for? And I've dated a lot of white people in my past. Am I proud of it? No. (laughs) (laughs) But I did. And there were like some really beautiful dates and like, there were like some really beautiful kisses that came from them and a lot of intimate moments that came from them. And there were things that like, they didn't necessarily do anything wrong. It just didn't work out. But now after having lived more experiences, I'm 23 years old now, just turned 23. And I went through a lot of shit being at a PWI. I went through a lot of racial trauma being at PWIs for high school and in college and even doing study abroad at a different school like it's everywhere and how pervasive white supremacy is and Mm -hmm. I will always have a preference for black fans and black women like that will always be my preference because we're just the it girlies like that Mm -hmm. is that is the people who I feel like I have to do the least explaining to there will always be a need for clarification. There will always be a need for ongoing conversation. And the same thing goes for other people of color. It's just oof, a prime example. It's like with white people, I, in my Hinge profile, I specifically state, leave me alone if you are white, in all caps, go fight your ancestors about it, colonizers. And I still will get notifications that white people liked my profile like knowing damn well I put in my profile that I want I'm setting a boundary this is something I'm not interested in please move on but they still do it anyways and so that to me shows me like it's like the nerve but also no respect for my personhood and my needs and so why would I ever want to pursue a relationship with you of any kind whether that's platonic or that's romantic or sexual like why would I want to do that when mm-hmm. you literally saw that I was not interested in you and you didn't like that. And so you decided, let me test this boundary and see what happens. I'm not interested in seeing what happens with you. Mm-hmm. So now what I what I usually do is I get upset and I swipe left and I'm like, how dare they? But now I swipe right and I send them my Venmo, my Cash App. And apparently, I don't know, some white people like have a kink for that, I guess, because they send me money. <laughs> <laughs>
1: really so, that's cool. I mean
0: yeah the ones that don't ignore the message pretend they don't see it but for me like will I date a white person at this point in my life no that's not my priority it doesn't really check the marks I have for myself and being able to be in a relationship with someone that feels like not a, a space where I can unpack all my traumas but a space where I can unburden and not have to be so hyper vigilant I, I feel navigating a world where people aren't unpacking like their own association with whiteness and their own proximity to whiteness and how that oppresses other people and how they benefit from that system. Being in those spaces is so exhausting. So if I can choose in my own personal life and my own intimate relationships to not have to do that, I'm gonna choose that option. Mm -hmm. And so I'm not interested in dating a a white person at this point, but I will take their money happily.
1: (laughs) Yes, you should. That makes sense to me. Reparation. That's what I say. I don't even say hi. I say
0: I accept preparations via Venmo and Cash App and I list them. And then we go from there. Uh huh. And after they send me money, I unmatch.
1: That's awesome. I'm proud of you for that. <laughs> that's Thank so cool. Thank you. And even though I, mean, I still do that, it's
0: still exhausting. Like, even yeah. though I'm getting something for it, it's definitely not what I'm worth. Because, I mean, come on, mm-hmm. we're all in, under the system of capitalism. If we're not like billionaires, we're all suffering. So Mm -hmm. I'm not getting what I'm worth, but I got something I didn't expect, but definitely what I deserved. So it's still exhausting having to even just type out that message, even having to match with them, having their own preconceived notions about what's going to happen. So even that is exhausting. That bare minimum transactional relationship is exhausting. So why even bother at this point?
1: Right. Yep. Can't argue with any of that. Thank you. I'm
0: pretty (laughs) done. What about you, Sophia?
1: Me? Would I date a white person? Mm -hmm. It's an interesting question you bring up. I mean, yeah, I think it really depends. I mean, I think there's like a line of like if if someone isn't doing any work on themselves or doesn't seem to like. If someone doesn't understand the the task at hand, like what they would have to do to understand me, then that is a problem to me. I don't think I need someone to be like fully 100% like there, but I need someone who is like Mm -hmm. on their way or like understands what they need to do. Mm -hmm. And I think for me, like, I think I'm more... Open to it because of not dating men because I feel like if it were like a white man I would feel a lot more Mm -hmm. like "Uh, I don't know if I Mm want to do that which is I mean complicated for me as like being half Chinese and that's complicated but like I think like I think I find myself gravitating towards Asian people towards East Asian people and honestly like a lot of people who like I see myself in like if they're mixed like half Mm -hmm. Asian or like especially people who are like Asian who grew up in the US, Mm -hmm. there's so much like explaining, I don't have to explain to you about myself and how I experience things. Maybe, you know, maybe I just haven't been burned enough, but at this point in time, I'm like, I I could date a white person.
0: (laughs) I mean, I love you. I love that you're in a place in your life where you can hold space for that and all that, what that entails. Hmm. Are you willing to teach a white person who's like genuinely like I want to be where you want me to be or where I need to be? Will you teach them?
1: I think it depends. <laughs> I I I'm not yeah. sure.
0: These are all very hard
1: questions. No, and uh, no, but I I'm I'm glad to be challenged. I want to think about it. I mean, this is not to cop out, but like I really think it depends on what it is. Like if there's something that is to me so obviously like this is how can you not see how this is racist or how can you not see that this is like offensive to me or like is an invalidation of myself and who I am. If I need to explain that to you that I'm not interested in that mm-hmm. when it's like and it, it's it is shocking to me sometimes things that are obvious to me that are like invalidating and like and like a, an insult to my personhood that white people Mm -hmm. don't see as that or just miss. I think it's also like growing up in a predominantly white area. I think that I'm like used to the ignorance in a way that's not (laughs) fun, but like maybe I'm desensitized to like to white people being annoying. (laughs) Right, That's, that's absolutely valid. And I think I can relate
0: to that in some way, shape or form.
1: I think that there are some things, you know, being a person a person of color is not a universal experience. Like I think there are some privileges right. that I have in terms of, you know, being a non-black person of color that like might make it easier for me to be able to tolerate more things. Yeah, that's how I perceive it. And I, I think it's hard for me to know just to what degree that is. And I think that's something I continue to work on and grapple with. Yeah. read anything good do you read anything gay
0: yes I just read okay well I went to go pick up this book it was like scorched scorned something it was about like the cover had a nun smoking a cigarette on the front and I was like Ooh, oh and the colors were like pink and purple and red I'm like it's giving bisexual it's giving <laughs> a little fruity and so I picked it up and I started reading it and I feel like I was projecting that onto it, Mm. but I ended up not finishing it because the writing style just wasn't for me to be able to feel like I could keep up with the book and really Mm -hmm. be invested in it. So I I returned it back to the library. But I did recently pick up Pleasure Activism by Adrienne Marie Brown, who is like one of my favorite, I don't know, facilitators, conversationalists, artists at the moment, because I, I wanted to learn about Pleasure Activism and realizing and just and just reading the first few pages of the book like the preface that she was writing was kind of how you were expressing like it just felt like I feel so seen here it's a compilation of a bunch of works by different people that mm. she's helped to curate but ultimately like it's a shared experience to be able to highlight things that maybe she personally can't speak on but is so important to what other people have come to define as pleasure activism as well as herself so i love their writing so much and it just made me feel more affirmed in my own pleasure activism. And I think pleasure activism is an inherently queer thing because it's about aligning with what feels like an orgasmic yes is something that she references. It's something mm. that someone else has referenced, it's something that you're willing to commit to a thousand times over. Like you would say yes to this a thousand times over. And that's ultimately how I've been leading my life after like a lot of trial and error. But how I've come down to making choices that I feel affirmed in and don't regret is to lead with that orgasmic yes, essentially making choices that I don't want to look back and feel like I would have done things differently. I, mean, I had set an intention one of these years to be like, I want to live each day without regrets. And ever since then, that impression and that intentionality going throughout that year has carried over with me. And so mm-hmm. now, in all of my ways of life, every aspect of my life, I ask myself, like, is this truly what I want? Is this truly what makes me happy? And if it's not, let it go. Bada bing, bada boom, it's done. You're happy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or at least you're getting closer to what this ideal of happiness looks like. But at least with pleasure activism, you're focused on, you're defining kind of your fulfillment by pleasure. And that's just so exciting. So yeah, that's the book yeah. I'm obsessed with right now.
1: <laughs> oh, that's cool. That That's awesome. I'll have to read it. I've read Um, We Will Not Cancel Us. Is that mm-hmm. is that by Adrian Rue Brown? Yeah, that same was good. person. Yeah, I,
0: I haven't read it myself yet, but they definitely mention it in at least the beginning of the book.
1: I want to make sure we talk about things that we talked about. We were discussing yesterday. We were talking about platonic intimacy and homoerotic friendships.
0: Ooh. <laughs>
1: You're acting like I you didn't say that to me, like I just, I just came up with that, and you're like, oh, what?
0: Honestly, that's such a cool idea. Yeah, let's get into it.
1: <laughs> Stop.
0: <laughs> well, I think that I love dating. I love being able to meet people and having spontaneous dates with people, dating people I'll never see again. Like traveling to a new city and going on a date with someone and being able to carry that experience with me wherever I go next. And being able to know that this is someone, this is someone I connected with on my path. So I love the experience of dating in the same way I love the experience of making new friends. And I think for me, dating can be hard. Even though it feels very freeing and liberating to exist as I am and get to know people and see how people receive me and figure out how to receive others and learn new love languages and things like that, I think for me, it's really hard, or at least historically, has been very hard to let the lines blur a little in terms of how I define relationships. When I first started out dating like in college, I was very set on like when I was having sex with Or having hookups with people like this is purely sexual or this is going to be romantic and we're going to fall in love or this Mm -hmm. is going to be a friendship and friends don't kiss, friends don't touch, at least not in this way, like this is kind of gay, what is going on? And it (laughs) would create so much chaos in my head and I would go through so many spirals and loops and be like, what is going on? This is too much for me. So I would always try to have hard definitions or hard expectations of what my relationships are supposed to be like and this is how it's supposed to be and if it doesn't fit Mm -hmm. this let it go it's wrong and even understanding myself as someone who's non-binary and applying this dismantlement of binaries and other aspects of my life I had to come to a point where I'm like why am I doing this who is it benefiting am -hmm. I missing out on things by trying to put people and put relationships and even put myself into boxes that may not be working for us why can't the boxes move with us and expand and turn into ovals and trapezoids and why does it have to be a box (laughs) and we can still have some organization we can still have some boundaries but they don't always have to look the same and I'm still trying to figure that out that means like I'm nowhere near perfect at doing that but the fact that I'm willing to put myself in a and things that are outside my comfort zone or be willing to say like, this is something I'd like to try, would you like to try it with me? And be able to kind of set expectations as we go while also letting go of expectations we may have had in previous relationships of what we expect things to look like now or evolve into in the future. I think that's still a process that I'm trying to learn and being like meeting someone and being like, oh, they're so beautiful. I want to kiss them and I want to hold hands and I want to date forever (laughs) (laughs) and being like wait hold on what if they don't want that what if we actually become could become the bestest of friends if we hadn't if I hadn't put these expectations that we should fall in love or we should be romantic and go on dates and only do romantic things because I already have friends or something like that I think platonic intimacy, I've been more actively wanting to explore those things while also taking kind of a step away from at least traditional dating in my own sense. Of wanting to date anyone, not anyone, because I do have I do have standards. But <laughs> wanting to date in the same way that I have previously. Right now, like in my my hinge profile. Hinge is the only app that I have because I was banned from all the others. Take from that oh, what you will. No. So <laughs> But I was wrongfully banned, in my own opinion. The girlies that have been banned from- They
1: can't handle you. Honestly. Yeah.
0: <laughs> the girlies that have been banned know what I'm talking about. Unless you, like, were really shitty. Like, no one deserves to be banned. But whatever. <laughs> anyway, so I have hinge and In my profile, I'm like, I explicitly state, like, yeah, dating isn't my priority right now. I would much rather have friends who want to learn together. If that's you, let's do it. Let's be friends who want to grow together. And, like, I don't know, see what happens, but mostly like, let's have a strong friendship. And I think that thinking back on my past friendships and the close friends that I have now, that is a form of love that I wouldn't trade for anything else in the world. It's a form of love that has come purely from strangers who have seen me and decide, I want to hold space for you. And I'm willing to learn how to do that. It's a different kind of love that Everyone should have the pleasure of experiencing. I want to prioritize that more in my life. So that's where I'm at right now. Being like, we can be friends. And we can also do things like hold hands. And we can do things like doing each other's makeup and cuddling and having sleepovers. And I don't know, if we want to have sex, have sex. It doesn't have to be the end of the world. It could actually be the start of a brand new world. Yeah, there's just so many different ways it can go about it. And so I'm just happy to be along for the ride and be here for the journey
1: Mm -hmm. I love this journey for you I think it's such a cool way to approach relationships with people and I agree I feel like there are like platonic friendships that I have with people are so deep and so important and integral to who I am in a way that's like if something was purely romantic it couldn't be Mm I love that we're talking about this and making this open conversation. So this is something that's honestly very new to me,
0: like exploring tonic intimacy and not having so many definitions around what things are supposed to look like. So this is a lot of being comfortable with being uncomfortable, kind of vibe. Mm-hmm.
1: What are you thinking about? Nothing.
0: <laughs> no thoughts. I don't believe you.
1: <laughs> I'm just thinking about what to talk about next.
0: So many options. You
1: can't go wrong. You said that you grew up in a place or like with a family or community that made it so that you felt you never felt like being queer was like a bad thing. Yeah, I'd love to hear a little more about like what that looked like.
0: I don't know. I feel lucky in a lot of ways. I feel very special in a lot of ways. I grew up, i raised by a single mom in what I call a village of Black women. My grandmother, my two aunts, and my mom, like these are the people who raised me and the people I still see as my family today. Like that's my my home base. And even growing up in a very Christian household, a very spiritual household, I am really grateful to know that That aspect of spirituality and religion that I grew up in my household and still is within my household hasn't been weaponized by my family, at least not to the extent that it could have, to try and decide who's Mm -hmm. worthy and who's not. For my family, what it means for them to be Christian is to be like, everybody's welcome here. And so it was never a question, like my godfather is a gay man, and I am always told this story when I was really young like, really, really young. I drew him a picture of a rainbow and gifted it to him, and he was like, She knows.
1: <laughs> That's so cute. <laughs> Do you remember that?
0: Mm, I remember the picture because he would frequently show me as I grew older, but I don't remember that interaction though. <laughs> So I always you had a gaydar
1: from a young age,
0: and it's still like spot on. I'm still working on it, and like it needs to be tuned every now and again. But yeah, it's pretty strong.
1: (laughs) Yeah, you 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 figured out I was gay.
0: Yes, it was the purple pants. I didn't realize that (laughs) or whatever colored pants they were. Funky pants. (laughs)
1: They were they were red pants. But I didn't. I thought someone had told you until yesterday.
0: (laughs) It's a super. Because I was like, how
1: can they be so confident? I don't know. Got to give it to you. (laughs) Thank
0: you. I mean, you know, I'm not against, like, I don't want to be someone's experiment. But at the same time, like, you don't know what you don't know. If I don't ask, you may never know. So I might as well ask, you know? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Getting back to, like, growing up in my household, I actually have never, well, that's not true. I think I speak more openly about it with my mom now. That's the person I felt most closest to, I think, since... My relationship with my family and how I sh- we share personal details of our life is different. So I just went out exploring mm-hmm. when I graduated high school and moved across the country to Boston to go to school, which is where I met Sophia. I think at that point, I was just on the adventure of like figuring out myself and what I wanted meeting people and gaining new life experience and developing and involving as a person. I didn't always openly share that with my family. And I'm coming to a place now where I'm opening more about that. But for me, it was never something that Mm. I was hiding. It was just that no one ever asked. And so I never said anything. (laughs) And we didn't never really establish a culture in my family where we just openly talked about like random facts about our life like that. It was always just like, I know you in the greater sense of knowing you. And that's enough. And there was always Mm. love there. And so, I don't know, we just weren't really tempted to kind of change that. Change is hard. I grew up in a household full of earth signs, lots of Virgos, so change is hard. (laughs) So I've been more open now, like even turning 18 and going to my first Pride, I was dressed down in rainbow and I I walked through the house, walked out the house, came back in the house with my Pride parade, like little flags and no one asked a single question. (laughs) No one raised an eyebrow. Um I think my mom deep down knew that I was a little fruity from my interactions with kids in school. <laughs> and so it wasn't a surprise oh. to her. And now I have open conversations with my mom about like how I was dating someone and it was like having a conversation about what it means to date someone who's trans and what that meant for my own identity and like her asking lots of questions and me the answering them us being having this first open dialogue about what it meant for my own identity and how I navigate that and how that impacts Mm. my relationship with other people wow so it's still blossoming and I still haven't like come out really to anyone else in my family besides my mom but same thing with my aunt like she has a whole ass girlfriend out of nowhere and we were like huh (laughs) 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 been fruity and holding out on us Christy is amazing by the way (laughs) and I'm like wow so I wasn't the whole I wasn't like the blackest of the sheep in the family. Slay.
1: So you know, surprises everywhere you turn. <laughs> yeah. I mean there is a there is a genetic component. <gasps> at some point. Please pull up the statistics. <laughs> Happy pride.
0: Happy pride. Oh, I can't get enough of saying it. I just want to kiss a girl. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> oh, it's just a vibrant.
1: What does queer joy look like to you?
0: The first word that came to mind is adventure. I'm just someone, as much as I love consistency in my life, I am a Taurus moon <laughs> with a Capricorn Venus and a Virgo rising lots of Earth. So as much as I love some consistency in core areas of my life, I'm also an Aquarius sun and I have a Pisces and Mercury. Oh, an Aries Mars, that, oof, that's a little bit of trouble, but I like it. <laughs> I think I love being able to just have a go with the flow kind of attitude. I love being able to put myself in a position where I've learned a lot, but there's always so much more that I can learn. And this person, this experience can teach me so much. And I'm so excited to be able to be a part of it and for it to be consensual and for it to play out how it plays out. My favorite part of being queer is I get to share it with other people. It's just so limitless. It's so freeing. Ah, it is liberation. Like, this is what my ancestors were doing back in the day. We really didn't have the same terminology that we have for it. But they were living their best life just existing. And that's kind of, like, what I'm trying to get back to and reconnecting with my own roots. Mm-hmm. Why I feel like being queer is so much more than just a sexuality or a label for romantic attraction or and a way to identify your gender. It's just so much more than that to me. It's it's just a way of being and I wouldn't want to be straight for anything in my life. I would not want to be not queer. That's a lot of double negatives, but I could not dream of a life where I was not queer and as fulfilled as I am now. Is there struggle? Yes. Is there oppression? Yes. Is there community throughout all of that that I can't get anywhere else? Yes. And so that, in a way, makes it worth it. Should oppression exist? No way. But for all the other things in the mixed bag, that to me is so central and so crucial that it outweighs so much of the other bullshit. Like It's just a space that isn't defined by time or a physical location. It's It truly is an adventure that you kind of get to pick which path am I going to choose today? And either way, it's going to play out in the way that it's meant to for you. And you learn so much more about yourself and other people. It's just, it's a part of the experience. So I love it. I love being queer.
1: That's a beautiful response. Thank you. I love being queer too. It's great. I feel like there's a stage of every, not every, I don't want to say every, but like a lot of queer people's journey. That's like, this part of me is just, if I could change it, I would because it's like, it's just who I'm attracted to and that's it. Reaching the point of like, this is, it doesn't just inform one part of me, it informs all parts of me and therefore makes me who I am. And therefore I cannot see my, like, there is no me without it. I think that's a beautiful thing.
0: I love it. I'm doing like hand shaking, stimming, but I, I love that. Retweet 100%. <laughs> <laughs>
1: do you have any other recommendations for the people why can't i
0: think of the name it's like it takes place like in high school which i'm kind of like veering away from shows that take place in high school because i feel so far removed from that era of my life now Mm -hmm. as a 23 year old Mm -hmm. okay but there was this girl in the show what was her name if i can think of it later because my friend definitely very much reminded me of it's so good because it's like a lesbian autistic femme which is like so relatable and then there's this non-binary Aquarius friend Aquarius of Libra friends they're just so cute
1: is that heartbreak high or something yeah yes okay um I think I've seen clips of that
0: it's so good and then there's also sexual representation which is just like (gasps) me and my ace friend my platonic life partner we were, like, super fangirling, fan they theming over the ace representation. <laughs> because also, like, a mm-hmm. mass ace person is represented in the mm-hmm. show. And that's just, like, unheard of in traditional mm-hmm. mainstream media. So that's just been mm-hmm. a really, really amazing show that I got to experience. What other queer media? This new album just came out by Amarae. It's called Fountain Baby, but also her previous album, or just long ago album, Angel You Don't Know, also gay. But this Fountain Baby album, extremely gay. The first song on the playlist that I sent you is by this artist from that album. It's called Co-Star. That was the first song on your playlist. Okay. And yeah, it's very gay.
1: Yeah. She's just, she does it. She does it for the girl. Is it about, is it about the app Co-Star?
0: Yes. In a way. It's, like, not about the app. It's named after the
1: app. All right. I'm looking forward to listening to it. It's
0: so fun. You just have to get around and dance. It's just so good. Or, in your case, (laughs) bike through the entire city of Boston. (laughs) Mm. (laughs) If that's safe.
1: (laughs) Oh, it's not, but I do it anyway.
0: That sounds about right.
1: Oh, you mean listening to music? I try not to listen to music when I'm like on actual streets, but when I'm on like a bike path, I'll listen to music sometimes. One like one headphone in. Mm -hmm. Yeah,
0: yeah. Keep it kind (laughs) of (laughs) safe. But yeah, I think those are the the ones that come to mind right now. I'm going to probably kick myself later for not mentioning something so profound, Mm. but it's okay. There's a lot out there. Get to exploring. You'll find something.
1: Yeah, I've been trying to like only read books that are either like revolutionary books or like books about queer people because I'm just like <laughs> I can't anymore or I had a moment where I was like I can't do this <laughs> but I'm not actually reading anything gay at the moment
0: that's a little homophobic oh no
1: I mean I'm reading the dispossessed Ooh. Ursula K Le Guin it's good I think I'm going very through it very slowly but it's a speculative fiction like mm. anti-capitalism or like a more socialist anarchist society it's very interesting
0: i love that i'm actually reading a little bit of a revolutionary book myself i'm annotating it so i am going through it really slowly it's called the proletarian's pocketbook and it's actually Mm. anonymously curated and my favorite thing about the book Mm. let me pull up like says like the beginning front page of the copyright note is like no rights reserved this book is encouraged to be reprinted and stolen and made accessible by any means necessary and I'm like oh that already got me I was
1: hooked (laughs) (laughs) that's beautiful
0: it is and it's essentially just a bunch of quotes from all of these revolutionary people like they have quotes from Mao and they have quotes from Nelson Mandela and Frida Kahlo and like Engels and all these like main people who are a part of like Marxism and socialism and Leninism, all of this. Like there's all these quotes to help you understand Mm -hmm. like all of these different aspects and they're broken down into different chapters talking about the revolution and what is socialism and communism. They don't really explain it, but they give you quotes to kind of pull things together and have just this Mm -hmm. source where you can choose to learn more. And they quote like different places where these things, where these excerpts are taken from. And so that you can learn more from those like main sources too. So it's really, I love the way it's organized. I think some things are really convoluted. So you really have to take your time breaking them down. At least someone like me, who's just kind of immersing myself. in all of this knowledge for the first time, um, but has always had like very social viewpoints. I think that it's really cool. And I'm loving the process of annotating and being able to come back. It's just, it's, I'm loving it. So highly recommend. And I can definitely send you the PDF
1: yeah no please do and you i won't have to pay for it or anything you won't um <laughs> that's great yeah i've been reading for like months now a book that's like it's a it's a non-fiction book about the israel-palestine conflict and i've been like i am not gonna just read this book i need to take notes because i don't want to have to reread yeah. <laughs> it and but i want to like actually take information because i feel like i read a lot of stuff and it just like doesn't stick in my head yeah. and i'm like i am going to be like taking notes like annotating making sure i'm like making it stick a little bit because in this day and age it's so attention spans are like gone. memory is bad and i want to i want to be able to like actually speak intelligently about stuff that i've read honestly
0: yeah <laughs> that's so fair but just to be able to be in a position i think for me i definitely relate to wanting to take take notes for that purpose and intention to be able to be I don't know in a sense like well-spoken and have these conversations but the dialogue itself is so much more important than how you have it I feel like sometimes or like mm-hmm. the way that you engage with it actually I take that back I think it's important to be intentional about how you engage in those conversations and be intentional about who's in the room and how you take up space and how we make sure that we're not stepping over other people's voices who should be in the center of those conversations. But I think being willing to jump into those conversations or be in spaces where you may not know as much, but you're willing to learn and have to be so precise in the way that you navigate that or the way that you explain Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. how you're understanding something. I think it's important to be able to make mistakes in that process and allow that to be teaching moments as much as the well-annotated notes that you take. So that's, like, what I'm also trying to take in account <laughs> as I take, I annotate things because I know that I'm not going to just close this book and be, like, now I am the main, I don't know, like, I'm the poster child. For, the authority. Yeah, like, I am now the person to come to about Marx and, Marxism and Leninism and socialism. Like, I am now, I'm prepared. I'm ready for war. But in a sense, I can be able to be, like, I read this really amazing thing I think it relates to what we're talking about right now let me go back to this and let's unpack it together like what do you think this means this is what I think this means and be able Mm -hmm. to start more ongoing conversations that was a tangent but I just wanted to validate being where you are in the process of learning and allowing that to be as substantial as where you want to be
1: yeah I feel like being in like leftist spaces a lot of the time there's like the you know there's people who read theory and then some people who don't and there's always like this tension about like who has and hasn't read what And you know it's all about like what what are people actually Mm -hmm. so there's that and I think also in a sense like like I listen to a lot of podcasts Mm -hmm. that's why I'm doing this (laughs) um and like there's some podcasts that I've listened to where it's like I don't remember everything that I said like all, all the facts aren't sticking in my head but I remember it like Did something to my brain or like made me view things in a certain way that I wouldn't have without listening to it. And I can't necessarily explain exactly how, but it like changed my perspective or changed the way I look at things. And like, I don't need to know all the details to know that that happened Mm -hmm. and for that to be a valuable thing.
0: Absolutely. 100% valid. This is off topic, but I just thought of another recommendation, which is something I think I shared with you last year when I was in my very strong podcast era. But another, what I feel like is a queer media recommendation is a podcast, All My Relations, but specifically an episode called Decolonizing Sex. And I highly recommend it to everyone. I think that's where I was introduced to Adrienne Marie Brown. I love this, this podcast and I love taking notes on it. So highly recommend to anybody interested in learning what it means to decolonize sex.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember you sending that to me and I haven't listened to it because I was in a I was in a weird mental place at that time.
0: <laughs> That's so fair. Set your boundaries and honor them. Let me know your thoughts whenever you get to it in your own yeah. time. I want to check on Spike because he is banging the door.
1: <laughs> oh wait, can I say hi?
0: Yes. I'm also going to take out my headphones because apparently they are dying so are we okay okay, like with the recording? Yeah we're good I'm gonna stop recording yeah
1: but thank you so much (laughs) Hi there this is Sophia thank you so much for listening to this episode of I don't know any straight people anymore with Malika Thanks for bearing with us on the audio quality. This was my first attempt at virtual recording. If you like this episode, please check out the links in the show notes to learn more about the projects Malika has going on, including some of their essays and information about Bartering Babes, which is their new grassroots bartering organization based in the San Fernando Valley and L.A. Our cover art is by Des Bennett, who's at Art by Des on Instagram. See the show notes for music credits and media recommendations. You can follow us on Instagram at IDKAnyStraightPeople. Look up the spelling in the show notes if that's confusing. You can also email me at IDKASPA at gmail.com. I Don't Know Any Straight People Anymore can be found on most streaming platforms. Tune in next Sunday, maybe for when I'll talk to another queer person.